Welcome to Sparrow Falls, a refuge from the storms of life. My guests today are the founders of a very precious organization called While We're Waiting. Brad and Jill Sullivan lost their 16-year-old daughter, Hannah, to cancer. And out of their grief with another grieving couple, they formed this ministry for bereaved parents in 2010. If you'd like to stay up on what's happening at Sparrow Falls, subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on social media. You can find out more about that on our website at sparrowfalls.org. Today we have a guest, and here's Todd to introduce them. I know what it is to lose a father, and I know what it is to have a doctor tell you during a prenatal ultrasound that your baby's heart has stopped beating. Those are very earth-shattering losses, but nothing compares to the loss I experienced when I lost my 18-year-old son. While We're Waiting is a biblically-based ministry that organizes retreats to bring together 10 grieving parents for a weekend to mourn the loss of their child and find help and encouragement from each other. All meals are provided for, and the retreats are held in comfortable facilities across the U.S. And there's no cost to attend. It's all free. All you have to do is sign up and show up. My wife and I attended one of these last year in Tennessee, and it was a much needed time with others. And we came away with new friends from that retreat, some of whom we continue to stay in contact with. That's the ministry of While We're Waiting. If you'd like more information about While We're Waiting, you can find them on the web at whilewe'rewaiting.org. This is the first part of a three-part podcast with Brad and Jill. In this episode, Brad and Jill share with us the story of their daughter, Hannah, and how they grieved after she left this earth and entered the presence of her Lord. This is episode five. Brad and Jill, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Well, it's good to be here and we're we're honored to to visit with you today and uh, to share our our story and talk about uh, the hope we have and um, and just just, uh, to be able to, uh, an opportunity to share our story. We always look forward to that. So it's good to be here. Jill, well, I've gotten to know you a little bit over the past few years and uh you know you seem to be the face but there's a lot of people behind what goes on at uh while we're waiting so it's good to have brad on to see to see all the folks who are involved he's a big big part of it that's for sure yeah so you guys have you know a difficult story of child loss and uh why don't you walk us through a little bit of of what you guys experienced and um what you're comfortable sharing sure um, well, we're, um, you know, Jill and I met in college and we got married, uh, at, toward the end of college and went to graduate school together. And, uh, we started our family, uh, soon after, and, uh, I'm an educator and I started teaching and coaching and Jill's a speech path. And, uh, so we started that, um, uh, charmed life of, of, of our, you know, as, as in our family with, we had two daughters and uh, just uh, loved life, loved family. And uh, um, our girls, Bethany and, and Hannah, Hannah is our oldest. And then Bethany is three and a half years younger. And um, they loved uh, the adventure as a, as a school administrator. I, I've seemed to move every two or three years. And, and they loved that adventure of going to a new school and seeing seeing a new a new environment. And, uh, and we had... Uh, um, I had worked my way up into, I was, I was a high school principal and I was 
both of my girls high school principal and it was it was a need to be their their principals and I got to go to their activities because that was part of my job and I loved it and wow. uh, uh, Hannah and let me just just talk specifically about Hannah and uh, uh, she was um, incredible student she was uh, straight A student she her her plans were to be valedictorian of her high school and and she was number one in her class and uh, uh, she loved um, being a part of all school activities uh, she wasn't athletic but she liked athletics and uh, she was a she was a manager on the basketball team and uh, she liked to go uh, in the outdoors camping or hunting and fishing with with me and um, we just we just loved our time together and uh, her sophomore year in high school uh, she woke up one morning and was uh, you know, sick to her stomach and uh we put her back to bed it was valentine's day i remember and um uh, the next that afternoon she felt better and uh, next morning she woke up same symptoms uh, sick to her stomach and uh, we found herself in the our pediatrician uh real soon and uh as we also noticed that her eyes were were dilated and uh they referred us to a, an ophthalmologist and you know, something that I like to talk about is, is how God was bringing people into our life. And if we had all day, I could share many uh, incidents where we look back and we said, God knew that I needed to meet this person or be around this person. And as I look back at that, uh, we got referred to an ophthalmologist who I went to college with, and he's, uh, he was who we got referred to. The last I knew that he was going to be a, a music minister. And uh, I stood in his uh, wedding. He sang in our wedding. Uh, we hadn't heard from him in 15 years, and we get referred to him. And little did we know he had become an ophthalmologist. And uh, he was the one that walked with us with Hannah's diagnosis and was uh, right there beside us throughout. And uh, I just say that to say how God was providing people and uh, in our lives that that we look back and just say that was a blessing. But mm. Tommy was there as we found out uh that hannah had a brain tumor between her ears uh, was there the day of diagnosis uh he was there throughout the year wow. of treatment and and uh he walked beside us and and we look back and just say thank you lord for that and uh yeah so it was uh that day that we found out was a was a difficult day and and I, I, jill you may want to talk a little bit about that uh um yeah that's something you never expect to hear that your child yeah. has a brain tumor and um you know just the shock of that it was just so difficult to process um and but and everything moved very rapidly as soon as they found the brain tumor and and tommy our ophthalmologist friend was the one who who discovered that with the mri um they had us at children's hospital the very next morning um ready for you know whatever was to come and um, when we got there, they started doing some tests with her. They gave her steroids to try to reduce the swelling that that was on the brain because of the mm. tumor. And um, we were in surgery just a few days later. And, you know, it's a terrifying thing to to send your child in for brain surgery, not knowing, you know, how they're going to come out. And, you know, Brad mentioned yeah. I'm a speech pathologist and I'm thinking, OK, well, you know, if she needs speech therapy, I can help her with that. You know, we've mm -hmm. got physical therapy, we've got all these things, we'll get her back, you know, never even really occurred to us um, that it could be cancer. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, we just kind of shut that possibility out of our minds, but, um, she did very well with her surgery. She came through the surgery with flying colors. As they say, she really had no issues. They were able mm-hmm. to go in and get that tumor without causing any damage to any of the surrounding tissue. And, you know, they came out and they said, you know, best possible outcome. We were able to get it all, but of course we're going to send it off for a biopsy. And, um, depending on what the biopsy shows that will determine, you know, the next steps. And so, um, we actually were, um, released from the hospital just a few days later Mm -hmm. after Mm -hmm. brain surgery, uh, came home and she was starting the process of recovery. But of course we had to return to the hospital to get the, uh, results of the biopsy. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking into that room and there was our surgeon was there. We recognized him. And there was another doctor there. And then there were all these other people there. And we, we realized later that those were counselors because they weren't sure how we were going to respond to the news that we were about to get. Mm. Um, the doctor told us that the biopsy had come back and it was a grade four glioblastoma tumor. Mm. And I'm the kind of person I'm immediately thinking, okay, how do you spell that? Because as soon as I get home, I'm going to Google this and I'm going to find out what, what we need to do. And it was almost as if he could read my mind because he said, now don't go home and Google glioblastoma because you won't like what you hear. The, um, it is a terminal diagnosis, um, but it typically you know, presents itself in older adults and she's only 16. So, and she's healthy otherwise. So we're going to do radiation and chemotherapy and all of these things. And, you know, we, we think we've got a chance to beat this. And um, so that launched us on a year long journey. Mm-hmm of radiation and chemotherapy. Um, and she did very well for about six months or so. She would, um, like Brad said, she wanted to be the valedictorian of her class. So she didn't want to miss school mm-hmm. and she wanted to keep her grades up. So she would go to school every day and I would pick her up in the afternoon uh, about seventh period. And I would drive her to little rock, which is about an hour drive. And she would get her radiation to her brain And then we would come home and she would do her homework. And then right before bed, she would swallow a handful of chemo pills um, because she was on an oral chemotherapy at that time. And, Mm. um, you know, I just, I would always think what, how heroic it was that she could swallow those pills, knowing that she was going to be sick in the morning, you know, from having taken them, but she did it every day without Mm -hmm. complaining. Um, And for six months, we would go in every two months to have an MRI. And every time they would tell us it's all clear, everything looks great. And we were on this course of chemo. They said, you know, we would do 12 months of chemo and then we'd reassess, you know, from there and in our minds, okay, it was 12 months of chemo and then she would be cured. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we were about six months, maybe eight months into it. And She had been doing well, but all of a sudden we began seeing some of those same symptoms that we saw at the beginning, the the nausea, the headaches and some balance issues this time. And so we called up the children's and said, you know, it's, it had only been six weeks since her last Mm. MRI, which had been clear. And, um, we said, you know, something's going on. Um, We knew there was a stomach bug going around at school. Maybe it's that, but we really think she needs to Mm. be looked at. Mm. And so they said, sure, bring her up and we'll scan her. And so we did. And um, yeah, that was a long evening. Mm. Um, 
We mm. found out the next morning that the results of the scan showed that the cancer was back. And oh, it's no. it, this time it was on her brain stem and it was up and down her spine. There were so many tumors on her spine. They called them snowdrift tumors. Mm. Um, and you wow. could see it in the MRI. And, you know, they called us in. And we sat down with that doctor and, you know, Hannah was there and Bethany was there. It was the four of us. And he told us that um, at that point, Hannah had less than a 5% chance of survival, but we were going to try another kind of chemotherapy and IV chemotherapy and another type of radiation that went from the top of her head to her tailbone all around her body, a very strong uh, radiation. Mm. And, um, you know, we walked out of there and we were stunned again, mm. you know, um, but, you know, we knew that our God was not a God of percentages. We knew mm. that, you know, 5%, that, that, that's nothing in God's economy. Right. And so, you know, we prayed the whole mm. year. We, we continually prayed for Hannah to be healed. Mm-hmm. Um, our desire of course was for her to be healed right. here on earth. Um, we started that chemotherapy and radiation treatment and we got through the radiation. It was tough. Um, and she really never recovered from that point. Um, Mm. she did go back to school for a few days in December, Mm -hmm. um, because she was just that determined, but she just, um, you know, the cancer was in her brain. And so she began to lose some of her function and some of her skills and and things like that. And she ultimately Mm. went to heaven. She was healed Mm -hmm. on February 26th of 2009. And, Mm. uh, she was, she was quite a girl. Yes. And we were proud of her, the way she walked that journey. And she, um, you know, as I look back at what God taught us that year, um, and what we're applying now in our lives, uh, you know, we learned a lot and, in some a story I'd like to share uh, with a couple of stories. One is the day of the day we found out she had a tumor. Uh, uh, our neighbor, who was uh, an older couple that were retired pastor, uh, I called him first thing. I said, "Brother Gerald, could you come down?" And he get, he was right there, and he prayed with us, and he gave us a verse, Nahum one seven, "The Lord is good." a refuge in times of trouble. Mm -hmm. He cares for those who trust in him. And I remember hearing those words and hearing that scripture and, and, and we prayed together and we prayed together as a family and said, God, we trust you. And at that point in the middle of of this news of of our daughter having cancer, we had peace Mm. and, and I, and, you know, I've always heard about the peace that passes all understanding Philippians Mm -hmm. four, seven, yeah. We experienced that peace. Now, were we broken? Were we yeah. devastated with that news? Yes, but we we felt peace. Uh, and and the other story I like to talk about too is is we're in Children's Hospital and and Jill has gone home to get some rest. Um, and I'm staying with her and we're trying to get, go to sleep that night. Uh, and we're a couple of days out of surgery. And she said, dad, I've got to tell you something. I said, okay. And she said, dad, you know, back in our youth group, we had this weekend retreat, uh, where the, you know, the youth gathered and they had activities, but he said then teaching and worship. And he said, she's told me, she said, dad, the, the leader shared with us how God allows storms in your life to bring you closer to him 
-hmm. and also to allow others to see him through your storm. And she went on to tell me, you know, dad, our lives have been calm waters and we hadn't had any storms. And I want you and mom to know that I prayed for a storm that God might use me. Wow. And that was a comfort because we, you know, God, God was preparing her and had been preparing her for that, that moment. And she accepted the news of a, a grade four glioblastoma wow. with, with grace and without fear. And throughout that year, when we would get those scans that were not good news, uh, I was emotional. Jill was emotional. And, and she, she would look at us and she'd tell us, mom and dad, I'm okay. I'm good. And she was because wow, God incredible. had her. And uh, so that's what I've learned and, um, and I continue to learn. And then as we dealt with that year of, of praying for healing and, and knowing God could heal. And um, we really got this come to terms with the sovereignty of God mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you know, and, and understanding that and understanding yeah. he knows our days and, and he knows you know, Psalms 139, you know, he created us in our mother from whom he knew every right. day before one day come to be. That's right. And did we believe that? And, and we did, and we yeah. come to terms with that. And so we, uh, we walked beside her and she, she encouraged us in this journey. And she's an encouragement today as, as, uh, we saw her health deteriorate and we saw her, uh, um, go to heaven and, and our, our perspective now is different on everything. Yeah. And, um, and, and we have an eternal perspective, uh, that, that I should have had as, as a follower of Christ all my life. And, but this changed it for me. And, and, and that's my, been my perspective. Uh, and, and, and that's, I can rest in that too, rest in the sovereignty of God and, and, rest and knowing that God is in control and I can trust him, you know, back to Nahum one seven. And, uh, but he has taught us an awful lot and we have learned a lot from other people. Yes. What I find so amazing in that story is how God prepared you through your daughter. To me, that is, is stunning. Um, and such a mercy for you to have Mm. that. To where she was sort of your your strength <laughs> yeah she, she was and it's that. funny because that wasn't her nature before mm. that she was one of these kids who worried about everything mm. uh, you know we've mentioned a couple of times how she wanted to be the valedictorian if she got a 98 on a test instead of 100 she would freak out <laughs> mm. if there was a, a thunderstorm watch she would she would just think there was a tornado coming she was that kind of kid yeah and until she was diagnosed with cancer. And then it was like, you know, it, it, nothing seemed to phase her from that point, Mm. but you know, I've knowing this, what she walked through and having met lots of parents who have lost children to cancer Mm -hmm. in particular, I really believe God gives those kids a special grace Mm -hmm. that they, um, 
that they're able to walk through things that we as adults would just, we couldn't even comprehend. And they walk through it with grace and courage. And uh, she was, she was one of those kids. I've, I've heard of lots of them um, through mm-hmm. the ministry that we do. And um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a blessing and an honor really to um, be around kids like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can relate to that eternal perspective because, you know, after my son died, I, that was what hit me was that there's an eternal gravity mm. that I did not have beforehand. And now that I had a child in heaven, that gravity just became ever present. <clears throat> yes. yes. We, we sure experienced that. And, um, and we, st- we still, that, that's yeah. our perspective, you know? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I look back at my life and I wonder how, why, why didn't I have this beforehand? Yeah, me wow. too. Right. Yeah. Um, so with that, as you walk through those days after, um, tell me a little bit of how that went. Um, were you able to, obviously it's devastating. It doesn't matter how spiritual or strong you are. Mm. Those are devastating days that are very hard to get through. Mm. Um, did you have support from family or, or church as you went through those? We did. We had good family support. Um, we have fairly large family that all live mostly in mm. Arkansas. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they were, they were there for us really the whole year and our church family was very supportive as mm. well. Um, something that is, this may sound unusual, but you know, our stories are different. I know, you know, with Tristan, you had no idea how your life was about to change. With Hannah, we had the blessing. I'm not sure if it's a blessing, but we had the awareness ahead of time that unless God intervened and did a miracle, she was going to go to heaven. And so one of the things that I did while she was still with us was I wrote her obituary um, sitting there in the living room with her sleeping in the recliner next to me. I wrote her, I gathered pictures for the funeral service and all of that. Um, because I knew that afterwards, you know, I can't imagine going through like what you guys did and having to plan a funeral Mm. just when you're the least prepared to make those kinds of decisions. Um, and so I, I did all of that ahead of time. And even as I sat there, I thought, well, you know, if God does do a miracle and heals her, this will be part of her testimony. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we had your whole, whole funeral plan and, and look, God healed you. Wow. Um, and he did heal her yeah. uh, by taking her to heaven. But, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm so glad that I was able to do that because I have almost no memory at all of the visitation, yeah. the funeral, the days following, um, you know, even with the preparation that we had of knowing that she was leaving us, there's still a shock that hits you when it actually does happen. Mm -hmm. Because I think you always think, yeah, Oh, this couldn't possibly Mm -hmm. happen. Um, and so, yeah, those immediate days were a a fog. Yeah. And even when it does, I I don't know how you could prepare yourself for what's about Mm -hmm. to happen. Even if you know, it's going to happen. You, you just do not know the, how much the world turns upside down and everything right. falls apart. Yes. Whether you're prepared for it or not, it, it right. it's no. so yeah. devastating. And 
it's insignificant about how well you were prepared, I guess, beforehand. <laughs> right. Um, well, so and, and this I, is the reality, daily reality, when you walk in and for us with our kids being at home and there's that empty bedroom, there's that empty yeah. place at the table, uh, just that reality daily, yeah. you know, it's just, it was, it was crushing for a long time. And, yeah. um, and, you know, I, I think something that, that is, was bl a blessing to us is that we found out pretty quick that we got comfort from being around people that understood us. Yes. Some of our best friends didn't understand us anymore. Yeah. Yes. But we had friends that had lost children and we met people that have lost children mm -hmm. and we, we connected with them. Yes. Quickly. And that's who we were drawn to. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a two families that I worked with in education that lost kids. And I, I was very close to both families and worked closely mm -hmm. with them and went to church with them. And we just looked at a, as a, at a distance and saw that them walk through the, 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 the journey they were on there. Uh, one was a sudden illness and the other one, um, was a, was a cancer, uh, died by cancer, but, mm -hmm. but we got to, well, we were drawn to them. I, that's the first people I wanted to talk to. Yeah. And, yeah. and we did, and, and just mm -hmm. sat down and have long conversations. And, um, and then I look back at that and know that it wasn't a coincidence again, as I said earlier, that those people were in our lives and, uh, God had placed them there. We could, we got to watch them. And I remember one of the couples when, when their little Rachel went to heaven, I said, Mark and Jeannie, how are you doing this? And they looked at me and I was devastated because, you know, I've been around that, you know, you know, the, the pregnancy was around them and at work and it's in a church and, and I, and I, and I was praying for healing, you know, it was a short illness, but went to heaven pretty quick. And, and it says, it's just God, you can do it yeah. with God. And, yeah. uh, and I, I remembered that when, when our Hannah went to heaven and, mm -hmm. and I just, I look back at that and I say, thank you, Lord, for, for friends, Mark and Jeannie Smith and, and what, how grateful I was that they were in our life. And then, and then we, we found other people that drew us, we were drawn to and, uh, and that was who we spent time with. I think you mentioned, we've been talking about how we have that eternal perspective that we suddenly get after our mm -hmm. child goes to heaven. And you realize real quick that the other people around you don't have that. No, they don't. <laughs> and, and the small talk and just the conversation about sports and the weather and, yes. you know, politics and whatever that you, after you've lost a child, you don't want to talk about that stuff anymore. Yeah. You want to talk about things of eternal significance. And I think that's why so many bereaved parents um, kind of lose friends sometimes. And, and mm -hmm. maybe their entire friend group sometimes changes because we really find ourselves drawn to others that have that same eternal perspective. Yes, that is so true. I, we noticed that right away, too. So this was in 2009. So you guys are over 10 years out yes. from this. Um, how long did it take you to get into Hannah's room and start mm. taking mm. stuff out? That's a good question. Um, quite a while, actually. Mm. Um, the way our house was set up, um, her bedroom was at the end of the hallway. Um, our bedroom was more towards the front of the hallway. Bethany's bedroom was across the hall from ours and her bedroom was down at the end of the hallway. So we didn't even have to walk past 
our bedroom door, <laughs> really. Right. The only thing else that was back there was her room and then a guest room. Now, Brad, I think, got some comfort from going into her room mm -hmm. um, and just being in there. I did not. It wasn't helpful for me to be there. So that was something, you know, we just gave each other grace with. Um, but for me, I we just kind of closed that door and that room sat very silent and and closed and dark mm. for several months um probably a year and a half yeah actually and then mm. what what was kind of the catalyst to for us to do something with it was our daughter bethany um it was getting to be around the time of her birthday and she had you know the any mom will know what i'm talking about when i say the little girl furniture the white yeah. little girl furniture the twin bed and the white dresser and all of that and hannah had a queen size bed and you know a bigger dresser and that kind mm -hmm. of thing and she kind of wanted that furniture for her room and so for her birthday we thought well we'll you know get rid of her little girl furniture and replace it with the big big girl furniture that hannah had and so that was the catalyst to actually get us to go in there and do something. And, you know, um, again, it had probably been a year and a half, maybe even longer. Um, it was okay at mm. that point to go in there because I had a purpose, you know? Right. right. Um, and I went through all of her, I had to empty her dresser drawers and things like that so yeah. that Bethany could have her things. And so we ended up moving all of the furniture in there, but we left the things she had on the walls up the posters and her, her, um, corkboard thing that she had all of her, you know, high school stuff pinned mm -hmm. up on and things like that. So when you walked in, it still kind of looked like her room. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of eased the transition. And then we turned her room into an office mm -hmm. and that I put a desk in there looking out the window pulled up the blinds, let in the light, kept the door open from that point on. And that room became, it, it transformed yeah. at that point. Um, mm -hmm. We, one of um, just kind of a special thing that we did, Hannah's middle name was Joy. Mm -hmm. And she kind of personified Joy in her life and she loved her middle name. And so mm -hmm. I started collecting Joy items, things that yeah. said Joy. And I filled that room up with things that said joy. Mm. And I even I remember even writing um, a blog posts about how when I went in that room, I didn't always feel joy yeah. <laughs> because it was heavy for, for a while. Yeah. But over time, God redeemed that space and made something beautiful out of it. And that's actually the space that while we're waiting, ministry was pretty much born in because that became oh. my office. Okay. And um but, you know, we have parents that come to retreats and we talk about, you know, what, how do we handle our children's things? That's one of the things we talk about during topic time sometimes. And I think there's no timetable for that. It's yeah. when you feel it's right, unless you have to, like you're moving or something like that. I don't think there's any time frame mm -hmm. that yeah. it needs to be done or that's the right time or the wrong time. You only, you yourself are the only one that know when right. that time is. If you've lost a child, I highly recommend you attend a While We're Waiting retreat. You can find their webpage at whilewe'rewaiting.org. They also have an active Facebook group that you can join now and a Facebook group for those who are alumni from a retreat. 
And there's also a special while we're waiting group for parents who have lost children to suicide. Sparrow Falls is the ministry of Todd Schaefer. You can find our website at sparrowfalls.org. That's sparrowfalls.org. We hope to see you again. And though you walk in the midst of trouble, may God in his word revive you and renew your hope. We look forward to seeing you again at Sparrow Falls.